0: podcast is made possible by the generosity of listeners like you kindly consider a contribution through patreon or paypal links are in the details box to this episode patreon is a monthly subscription and you can cancel anytime and paypal is a one-time donation any amount is appreciated i'm Rania shatah and this is the beirut banyan
1: Nadim Shehadeh, this is my third time on the Beirut Banyan. Uh,
2: Nadeem Houri, uh, Executive Director of the Arab Reform Initiative. And this will also be my third time on the podcast. Very honored. Diaspora refers to the community of Lebanese or people of Lebanese descent uh, who live abroad. Now, like most things related to Lebanon, um, numbers are not always very clear. Uh, You know, some people talk about six or eight million people of Lebanese descent. Um, The group that I find most interesting is the Lebanese, uh, the first generation Lebanese. Um, And those, you know, if you look at the literature, estimates vary between 700,000 to a million. Mm -hmm. So these are people who were themselves born, you know, uh, in Lebanon and themselves emigrated. Why is this group the one that I find most interesting, particularly in relation to the current crisis? Because they are the ones who are... So far, most actively involved um, and involved in what I would consider uh, in a pattern of you know frequent returns and visits, and uh, today regularly, almost daily uh, contacts uh, with people uh, back in Lebanon. And they also now tend to watch Lebanese TV on their uh, phones and so forth. So they, uh, in a way, the, the, the physical distance that used to separate the, the diaspora from
1: Lebanon has uh, shrunk greatly. I watch Lebanese TV when I'm abroad much more than when I'm, when I'm in Beirut. Mm-hmm. And when I'm in Beirut, I ignore it totally. And, uh, and here I follow, <laughs> I, fo- I follow it. But I think the diaspora is more of a state of mind because it's not where you are physically. It's... Where you are mentally, you could be, you could cut off completely with Lebanon after a very short time abroad. You, you meet people and you think they've been here for the third generation and you find that, that they've been here for two years. They 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 cut themselves off. And you meet people who have been here for three generations and they're very engaged, or they they vary, or uh, so, so I, I I think it's more of a, a state of mind in in a sense whether you 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 have your mind in both places or your identity because that's what diaspora means is is, is both places or you cl- cling to one and I I don't consider myself diaspora I consider myself as a Ras working abroad you no know, I just happen to be in London or in Boston or in New York but I'm still a Ras
2: If you take the first generation uh, Lebanese uh, emigrants, you'll also, I think, have different dynamics, not only across individuals, but also as groups, depending on where they live. If you think about, for instance, the Lebanese diaspora living in the Gulf countries or in West Africa, their future was almost always intimately tied to Lebanon. I mean, there was no retirement planned in the Khalij or in West Africa. Uh, they always thought of Lebanon as the place where they're going to send their children, maybe for high school or university. Uh, this so what's happening in Lebanon today impacts them in a very direct way. Whereas, you know, if you're a Lebanese in Canada, maybe you had thoughts about retiring in Lebanon, but you always have a fallback plan. Um, and these are just layers that show the, you know, the, the complexities of the diaspora uh, and their relationship. People always tend to think of diasporas as, as somehow this unitary body that's, uh, you, you know, tied to the homeland. In practice, most diaspora studies show that uh, diaspora communities are often divided as well. One particular impact on the Lebanese diaspora. Uh, and particularly because of the civil war and sort of the confessional making and the sectarian making is when you look at the most important diasporic uh, structures of Lebanon, uh, most of them are along sectarian regional or, um, uh, you know, basically confessional backgrounds. And the and the, the politics of the diaspora and the institutions of the diaspora have actually followed very closely to divisions in Lebanon. I mean, if I can t- tell you a short anecdote, which I always think is very funny, the, the first mosque, uh, the first Shia mosque to open in Australia, you know, a country with a big Lebanese diaspora, was in 1983 in Sydney. And when it was opened, when it opened up, it was controlled by a cleric affiliated with Harakat Amal, yeah, with yeah. the Amal movement. In the mid-1980s, the uh, Hezbollah-backed organization called Al zahra uh, rested control of that mosque. And this was in relation to events happening in Lebanon at the time, when there was actually a lot of intra-Shia fighting. I give this anecdote because, you know, it's a far away, it's minimal, but it shows that the divisions, it's not just the divisions between Christians and Muslims, Sunnis and Shias, Maronites and Sunnis, but also the diaspora, uh, you know, structures that were in place have often reflected the divisions. And I think in a way, while everyone talks about the important role of the diaspora in Lebanon, I think it is very true. I mean, just in terms of the amount of remittances, uh, in terms of projects, they have per- perpetuated the uh, sectarian power structure in Lebanon. So uh, it's also an important good. player. Just want to take the last decade. I mean, you know, we can talk about history, and, you know, Nadeem Shahadi here, I'm sure, we'll, 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 uh, you know, has a big... <laughs> Uh, you know, memory of these things. But uh, even if I look at post-Lebanon civil war, if I look at the parliamentary elections in 2009, the municipal elections in 2010, the engineering syndicate elections in 2011, in each of these instances, what did the diaspora do? Lebanese political parties paid for members of the diaspora to fly in to vote for them. Uh, and they did it. The biggest fundraising Successful fundraising efforts for political movements in Lebanon and the diaspora are the traditional political parties. Of course, you have examples of non-sectarian efforts, but when you look at the numbers, they pale compared to the sectarian confessional and political machines. So for every dollar that the non-sectarian diaspora raises for giving to non-sectarian causes in Lebanon, you know, you will have tens of dollars being funneled through uh, you know, Sunni religious institutions, uh, Shia institutions affiliated with Amal al Hezbollah, Christian associations. It's just the nature,
1: you know, of the way the diaspora has functioned until now. And village based associations. But there's another thing. When we talk about political parties, there a lot of the political parties in Lebanon were set up by people from the diaspora. And there's a very good reason for that. Because if you're in Lebanon, you're, if you're, in a way trapped in a in a clientelist uh, feudal uh, sort of framework where where you, you, there's very li- there's you have there's very little potential to create a party whereas wh- if you come out of the system and you become less dependent on on someone for a job and for living and for business uh, you can see the system from outside and you come out with new ideas. So Amal was set up in a way by expats. Gambiberry was born in Sierra Leone, used to be in Detroit. Um, the SSNP was set up by by Antoine Saadi, who was in who was in Latin America. He was in Argentina, born in Argentina. Pierre Jmeil was a pharmacist in Egypt. Remo Eddi was in Paris or so so you'll you'll find that a lot of our a lot of politicians or political ideas new political ideas other than the clan and the 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 sort of very narrow sectarian definitions was done were were created by people who stepped out of the system and could see it and could come up with alternatives so that's why there is diaspora politics is sometimes much more intense than internal Politics.
2: No, I, I would definitely agree with Nadim on that point. But what's interesting is a lot of these examples are old. I mean, this is, I think, what, what I find fascinating. And again, well, that's why I think we may be at a turning point. In a way, during the civil war and post-civil war, the sort of existing parties in Lebanon managed to get a hold and to almost freeze diaspora evolution. So what's interesting to me is... During the Civil War, there were very few voices, prominent voices, prominent ideas that came out of the diaspora that challenged the entire power dynamics. It remained quite marginal. I mean, there might be examples, but they remained quite marginal. And so I think this is why I think it's very, very interesting is are we seeing Will we see today, a weakening of the hold, that the traditional political parties, which were not traditional 30 years ago, but became traditional now, uh, have on that diaspora, and I think it's a it's a big question mark. But I I, I think this is where the Diaspora became quite conservative in Lebanon, patriarchal. And not conservative in terms of how they dress, but conservative in even its perception of Lebanon, you know, of how they would see. And I'll give you two examples that I lived uh, when I was in Lebanon and working on human rights issues. One is the um, general perception of the diaspora on the right to give nationality. So the diaspora is very much behind the right to give nationality to expats, to Lebanese born outside and so forth. But they did not support in any vocal way the right of Lebanese women in Lebanon to give citizenship to their children. When there was actually a big movement in Lebanon by women's rights organizations and human rights organizations uh, to give that right, it was interesting, it was generally met with an overall shrug uh, by the diaspora and definitely by the main diasporic structured groups. Um, And again, why? Because I think each one of them was looking at their own interest. And in in some of these structured groups, they were like, we care more about the rights of the Lebanese or abroad than children of Lebanese mothers living in Lebanon. And the other example, which has always been close to my heart, frankly, is the rights of migrant domestic workers. And this is an issue that I worked on for years. And the Lebanese community, by and large, uh, outside of Lebanon, was sort of aloof to that issue, even if they felt it was bad, even if it was sort of uh, you know sometimes uh, embarrassing to them when they'd be in Lebanon and they see certain behavior, they never took it up. And again, you could argue that and this is very common in many many diasporas. But again, it's a diaspora that's been very patriarchal as well in terms of its in terms of its views, in terms of its politics, in terms of its representation. And I'm hoping that maybe this feminist moment that we're living in Lebanon will push for a revolution within the diasporic institutions.
0: Is there any complication with the Lebanese diaspora and, and let's use America as an example being lumped into a wider pool which is the Arab American community? Does that have any is there any problems in terms of just the relationship and how you, what you're describing which is a more more inward sectarian looking thing or is that a Lebanese issue regardless? But it has nothing to do with, let's say, the Palestinian cause, or for that matter, the Arab-Israeli conflict, or anything that could maybe put Lebanon into sort of a, a larger whether it's issue or problem. So I'm not an expert on the
2: Lebanese diaspora in the U.S., but mm-hmm. I don't think that's been an, that's been a particular issue. I mean. Mm-hmm. Uh, Again, I think it depends on which Lebanese diaspora in the US you're talking about. If you're talking about the Shia in Dearborn, Michigan, and their politics, right. if you're talking about third generation Lebanese in Oklahoma, yeah. if you're talking about uh, Christians in the financial <laughs> industry in New York, you know, again, I mean, it's, yeah. a, uh, it's a very rich diaspora right, in right. terms of its I, rich and not, I don't mean here in the material sense, mm-hmm. but in terms of diversity of experiences. And again, for me, the lens is, uh, the divisions that have plagued the diaspora are the divisions that have plagued uh, Lebanon. And in a way, you know, I think uh, Nadim Shadi was talking about that, that state of mind, you know, you're, you're, you're Ras Beiruti in the U.S., you know, yes. uh, that has also uh, affected, you're a southerner from, you know, uh, from Lebanon in, 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 in the US or in right. Canada. And again, this is not unique, by the way, to the Lebanese diaspora. If you look at studies of other diasporas, mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. Armenian diaspora, the Greek diaspora, the Irish diaspora, they've also been very uh, divided at times. It's just maybe the divisions in the Lebanese diaspora are more pronounced because the divisions in Lebanon are in a way
1: more pronounced. Right. So, the way they behave in the country of, uh, in, the, in the recipient country depends more on the structure of the recipient country. If you live in a melting pot, or if you live in a mosaic, or if you live in a, in a place which doesn't accept foreigners, then where, where you cannot integrate, like, uh, or where it's more difficult to integrate, like in Africa or in the Gulf, uh, in the Gulf by laws. Uh, you, you cannot, you can never integrate. Then, then your your relationship with the country of origin and your relationship with the, with the country where you are is is dictated by by that. By That's
0: interesting. So Carlos Chuson in Japan is he cannot just be inward sort of Christian looking. That he has to that his Lebanese identity would shift in Japan as opposed to let's say
1: France, for example. Y- yes, it would be. He would be d- different in Japan yeah. than he would be in France because right. in France he can integrate. In Japan, right. there is less possibility. Of, although there are Lebanese in Japan who are well integrated, but there, there is less possibility of of of, 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 mm-hmm. of integration. Interesting. But but again, you know, don't underestimate the diaspora element in post civil war Lebanon. You have you have Hariri, Miqati, Mahzumi, Issam Ferris. All these people who who came and, and entered politics uh, after after the, uh, apologies for those I forgot, but there were lots of people who who uh, uh, who entered politics when they were they spent the war outside and they came back with ideas to rebuild the country, very nationalist, very uh, and of course Nasib Lahoud is is a, is a good example.
0: You know, I noticed myself just coming to the states a few weeks ago that. The diaspora here is still very passionate about the momentum back home. And I left, and maybe you'd share the same experience, where things were looking more pessimistic in Lebanon, at least the last few weeks, that there's still this sort of yearning abroad for Lebanon to sort of move on from its intercommunal arrangement. But what I'm getting from you is that even, even those aspirations are somewhat may be temporary that the community abroad regardless still has their structural sort of inward looking behavior that you see at home and it's going to be reflected no matter what happens that in other words Mm. the the, i mean i don't want to be too specific here but let's say uh, a maronite sort of ngo and and what you said earlier let's say a mosque is built and, and that kind of stuff that you can't really get beyond those things that the So
2: that's what I I actually was, so far, I've been really thinking, looking back, because I do think um, we are at a critical moment. I Mm. mean, Lebanon is changing. Yes. The mood is changing in Lebanon. I think it's going to be a long process, Mm. but things are changing and people are sort of reimagining their identity. Of course, not Mm. the entire country, but a number of people. I am very interested to see how this will be reflected in the diaspora. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, you know, I think there is a significant amount of p- number of people in the diaspora, which I think are ready and will want to support a sort of new Lebanese movements and identity. So I'm I'm actually not necessarily saying the Lebanese diaspora has always been uh, sort of conservative, followed what's happening in Lebanon. I mean, now that Lebanon is changing, I think the Lebanese diaspora is going to change a bit okay. as well. Yeah. Now, the question for me is, is really twofold. Yeah because again I'm I'm less interested in individuals and more about structures you know that's how I tend to think yeah, about yeah. the uh, are we going to see an effort for instance to take control of some of the main diaspora uh, institutions by some of these people that are yearning now for a more you know civil state in Lebanon less sectarian yeah. a more accountable sort of country are we going to see that uh, or are we going to see maybe the creation of a new uh, diaspora initiative? And already we're seeing more and more of them, uh, which are going to come and sort of challenge the traditional hegemony of the more conservative, patriarchal, mm-hmm. older mm-hmm. version, you know, I mean... If you think about your typical diaspora event in Lebanon you'd either think about the big village dinner in the summer where they listen to oh. La daluna and they drink ara and they eat there or you would think about you know a sort of uh, fancy event at Biel uh, hosted by probably Gibran Besil and everyone's talking about how great Lebanon is and how they're going to invest but no one actually invests and everyone is over the age of 60 uh, you know with a couple of side events for the young ones uh, I mean I'm this is
0: you've been to both.
2: Well, you <laughs> know yeah, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know I, I, I was think, in, yeah, yeah, I this, is, this <laughs> is, the air
1: conditioning broke down in the Ramakrishna. This this
2: this is this is the diaspora institutionally as it was before October 17th. You know is it going to change? Mm. That is the big question. Are people going to say, we don't want to listen to the same broken speeches about, you know, love Lebanon, uh, bring your dollars to Lebanon that mm-hmm. you won't be able to withdraw now. Uh, I, I think this is really interesting. And I think, uh, you know, if I think, yes, we will see some initiatives. But I also don't want to minimize the existing tentacles of the Lebanese uh sectarian political regional mm. uh network that already has
0: well-established tentacles but what in, i'm, in what the I'm diaspora. getting from you at the end is that I mean, you tell me if i'm wrong that if lebanon changes the diaspora will change if lebanon stays the same the diaspora will stay the same that the, that the issues begin back home in lebanon Louis. I
2: would say it's a dialectic, but I want to okay. let... The had had he said yeah. something
1: much more interesting, because mm. it's generational, yeah. and this is what, you know, your conversation with Nibir Abnassar was about... Well, I was going to bring him up, because he is the about,
0: big example of... Because of the diaspora. new
1: generation, yeah. you, you see, I think Lebanon changed, uh, I mean, changed in 2005, mm. because the country got divided not on sectarian lines, but on political lines. Mm. On mm. you were You were either pro-Syrian or anti-Syrian. You were... You know, you demonstrated either in Tahrir in Martyr Square or in or in Riyad Salah. Mm.
0: That,
1: that was the, the 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 division, and it was a division within each community. So it's less. It became the real division in Lebanon was within each family, within each community, within each village. And it, it's not uh, a sectarian division as much a sectarian division as people read in textbooks, uh, because the the real sectarian division only existed in textbooks, you know. When you get uh, foreign observers talking about Zayims and clientelism and all that, you know, they've read books from the 60s, and I don't mean anyone in particular. No, I think think you (laughs) do. We we don't recognize this.
0: But even then, though, even then, I mean, and I, I hope I'm getting this right, that because the Lebanese scene did not change that much after March 2005, that the diaspora was maybe unable to move beyond the issues that you're discussing, which is that sort of, at the end of the day, it did take somewhat of a sectarian tone. What do you mean it didn't change that much? Um, Well, okay, let's go, I mean, going back in time a bit. The aspirations in 2005 in Lebanon, not even in the diaspora, were not necessarily met. No, but it did change. Well, I mean, in terms of the diaspora... But
2: uh, I'll give you a personal example. I mean, I was part of the Lebanese diaspora, which decided to come back to Lebanon after 2005. We
1: actually met on on his trip back on the plane.
2: 2006. So I I moved back in 2006 to Lebanon. Yeah. And I have to say, I agree with Ronnie. It was a disappointment. And I left again a decade later because uh, I felt... Lebanon had not changed and the hope and promise of 2005 of trying to build a new country that would um, not not just overcome the the usual you know the sort of uh, sectarian cliche of things but actually uh, you know overcome the sort of clientelistic network the uh, for me anyways that promise was not was not held and um, And I think there are a lot of people and I would count myself in in that group that have high high hopes that maybe this time it will be different and again I actually see it as a gradual process and Mm -hmm. each experience Mm -hmm. you know we are all collectively and as individuals learning and building on that so there are lessons from 2005 that echo today there are networks that started in 2005 of activists of ideas that you know, that echo today, uh, um, there are fears, and so mm-hmm, forth. Mm-hmm. And I think this, we had to go through all these steps to where we are, right. uh, where we are today.
0: Nadim Shah, you mentioned Nimr Abu Nassar, which I, I like yeah. that you because that is one example of many, where you have somebody in the diaspora really trying hard to have a parallel conversation
1: altogether. And he set up his own his own initiative. It, it's not an example of many. Nimer abanassar is Nimrod Abanassar, well, but I mean, he's also of a generation that yeah. can use social media, that can use the internet, yes. where yeah. where you are divorced from your uh, you know your it's it's you on the phone mm-hmm. or on the screen. It's not you sitting in your in your village or in your in in the in the diaspora within your 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 tribe. Kamela, And you know, they are. You know some of the if you go to some of the diaspora community they are more Lebanese than the lebanese and they, they they cook things that we stopped cooking in Lebanon and they speak with a with an accent that's more authentic than than than, than in lebanon you know, they, the, the, the 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 regional accents and the regional cooking are are more maintained uh, outside but once uh, the young people are with the screen they are not acting as part of that that group and they're part of a global network which behaves in a much more random manner and different they relate differently to each other so I think that's a very very important phenomenon and it's mm. it's very different from anything we've seen but
0: is there something in the the ability to let's say offer an alternative and he's i mean in a sense he's going his own way a dem, yeah. d- a democratization and in terms of voting, you don't have to go through the Lebanese system. You go through Nimr's website. Is that the future of the diaspora and when it comes to the Lebanese story? That there's no hope for things to improve back home. So this is an alternative. The virtual way? Lebanon. You have your. I mean, a uh, uh, in other words, anyone abroad or even within Lebanon who's interested yeah. can participate in that kind of model. Whether it succeeds or not is a different story. But is that the is, like that, a, the, is that the difference that maybe this time around you have. Uh, an audience abroad that is in a way they're not they're not
1: stuck with the Lebanese model they can flirt with different ideas I think it's it's uh, you uh, it's very generational the new generation are, mm. are, are very different from my generation mm. Mm. because of the effect of 2005 that's why maybe maybe uh, amnesia is such a good thing because mm-hmm. the enemies of yesterday are the friends of of, of, of tomorrow and or or of today and uh, people you fought with in the civil war are now your allies because of the because of different politics uh, you know I'm thinking Samir Jaja could could win an election in Akkar today you know as extreme as that whereas samir Jaja is known as the guy who did the aswad against sunnis <laughs> you see so so, so, that, that so there's no more tension there's no you, know, you can't you, you can't freeze sectarian tensions by saying you no know, there's a sunni maronite tension because in, two, in 1975 76 there was this clash over palestinian presence and there was ten, there was real maronite Sunni tension and the country was about to get uh, cantonized and divided and people said okay you want uh, you can live on your own we live on our own you, you, know, I, you know but I,
0: again i like that you mentioned someone like Nimit, and he said when we spoke he said that uh, he's in a way he's lucky because comedy is one of those few sort of uh Arenas where you can have differing political ideologies or different religions, whatever you want to call it, diverse groupings showing up, watching a Lebanese performer. They're all living abroad. Everyone watching, for the most part, is either familiar with Lebanon or Lebanese, and thousands of people flock to him, and he's touring at the moment across North America. Are there other venues where Lebanese abroad have that kind of audience, is there a political sort of mechanism where the diaspora could entertain the idea that you were describing earlier, which is the alternative? You know, there are,
2: there are interesting examples of non-sectarian diasporic meeting spaces of the mm-hmm. Lebanese. Mm-hmm. I mean, the most obvious one tended to be uh, university alumni. Right, I mean, they come together. Yeah. They meet. It's it's a limited uh, occasion. Uh, we are starting to see as well uh, professional style um, groups mm-hmm. of diaspora. You know, if you think about life, when it, you know in the financial industry, you know, these are uh, workers. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. They have um, maybe what unites them is they're all quite wealthy now, <laughs> but they're from different <laughs> confessionals. They where so they, they were. <laughs> no, but the, you know, the I think the. Um, But what you say, it's true that you do need uh, space. It doesn't have to be physical anymore. It can be virtual space. Yes. For that, you you know, new Lebanon that we're all trying to create, uh, where the diaspora could also uh, feed into. You know, there was an interesting study done a few years ago on the Lebanese diaspora. I think it was in Canada and France, and how they consume websites and news. Mm. And at the time, they found that, uh, basically uh, uh, you know the th- the Christians were checking certain websites, and the Muslims were checking different websites and there was these divisions if today, and we don't have the data,
0: mm-hmm.
2: uh, if they are watching uh, and if they are reading similar things, you know are they reading something like megaphone, you know the new online platform yeah. that's sort of generational, and um, is, does this have the same penetration rates in Australia as it does in West Africa right, or right. not? because again, don't forget the divisions in the diaspora. Uh, were not just per village. it was also in the media that you watch. Yeah. If you're a Shia in West Africa, you're probably watching Al-Manar on your TV. Mm-hmm. If you're a Christian in New York, you're maybe watching MTV. Uh, so I think even those replicated, are we seeing a different I mean, and this is an open question mark today uh, it's clear. you know are the Lebanese aware the Lebanese and the diaspora aware of all the changes in Lebanon mm-hmm. you know I just came back from Beirut now and by seeing people you change yes you know you 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 but people are living in lebanon is transforming them my friends who are staying in lebanon they are having an accelerated political uh learning the frustrations they're having every day at the banks is changing them friends who would have never talked about politics who proudly used to say they are apolitical have actually become very political since october even though they're in their 40s and i think this will have a long-term change uh, you know, the the uh, carefree sort of attitude for the diaspora, you, you know, the idea of this sort of stereotype that you used to watch on the, least, airline screen. We're just there to party and a bit of banks and a bit of uh, meza estate, yeah. and a bit of real estate. <laughs> that Lebanon is no more, and it's not coming back. Those in Lebanon are aware of that. Yeah. Has that sunk in to the minds of the diaspora?
0: And then... Is there a way for the diaspora to be more involved? Given that we've seen attempts the last few months, I've met organizers in New York who were very adamant that they were going to succeed in turning Lebanon into something else. Very passionate, very enthusiastic, and I mean, you know, you can see that there's limits to that kind of hope. And no matter what they do, there's, they get stuck at the end with the same issue, which is Lebanon doesn't seem to change. It sort of sticks to its old ways, and it continues to decline. But in, in Lebanon words, is changing. I it, think it, you're
2: being a bit too pessimistic. It, it it doesn't man, mean it's it's, it's but, not a linear but, process, but, but I think well, Lebanon does but, is... Hold on, hold on, does the yeah.
0: have any tools to make sure
1: Lebanon hmm. changes for the better? I think you're you're... you're, you're, you're you're getting stuck in in, in in a bubble that I want to burst. Burst away. Yeah. Burst away. Because you're both assuming that the the old ways in Lebanon are bad... <laughs> and there is uh, a new way that's coming, where, where the Lebanese are homogeneous. And uh, no one
2: said homogeneous, but uh, the, ba- the old uh, ways uh, are bad. And I know you. Uh, <laughs> I know you're a defender of the why of the H- Levantine. Uh, uh, but but <laughs> no, I want no,
1: no, no, to no, no, hear you no, out. I want to hear uh, <laughs> you out.
0: We can mute his mic from here. No, I'm <laughs> there are. You can mute. <laughs> I'm I'm joking. Joking. I know you yeah. can
1: edit me out. Yeah. <laughs> no, in the sense that that. Uh, the essence of Lebanon is not homogenization or cohesiveness. It's accepting the other, in the way the other is. You don't need to change the. You don't want the other to stop being himself. Uh, and wh- when the other becomes becomes too much himself, or there's there's a clash, you you become you both become sectarian. You, you but when 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 things are. Uh, uh, in equilibrium and, and fine and there's prosperity you 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 live together and you recognize who the other is you know, there's no need to to pretend that religion doesn't matter and language doesn't matter and uh, background or or any any or ethnicity or or whatever they they matter but they're not a big deal you know, because we accept each other it's it's very different from the melting pot secularist uh, Lebanon that that sometimes people as aspire to which I don't I, I,
2: this, can I just
1: say something because I, I I
2: mean I, I, have, I disagree with Nadim I mean and also again my aspiration is not a Lebanon that is somehow a melting pot and I don't think this is what people are proposing uh, I just think the, the old way of doing things the Lebanon that you're describing Nadim uh, hasn't existed for the last 40 years because this lebanon in equilibrium if this was truly the case we would have had a census since 1932 a country that is afraid of counting its own citizens is not a country that is at equilibrium a country that is ruled by hereditary rule uh, or where one percent of the population has 50 percent of the wealth is not a country that is at peace uh, with itself it's a country that is an eternal project for instability and war and conflict and displacement and i don't think at least you know i'll just speak for myself what what i hope will change in lebanon is not that we all become the same or somehow we will have a etalaikar uh, you know a the french way not at all. I mean, this is not even possible in Lebanon, and it's not even something that one should aspire to. Uh, but basically, a, a decent state that treats uh, citizens as citizens that don't have to go through a confessional intermediary. This is the problem with the old model. No one is. If you want to remain a Maronite in terms of your identity, of course, remain that way. But my relationship with the state should not be premised on a confessional group controlling this and that confessional group being under the control or of one or two individuals which happened to be in the majority warlords that if you ask me yes. should have been prosecuted a long time ago.
1: Yes but you see what I'm referring to is our adver- adverse that you know very well where you had people, c- people claiming proudly I am Kuwaiti, I am uh, French, I am uh, American I am this and then Lebanese claiming shyly and uh, a bit ashamed of themselves I am Maronite I am Sunni I am Druze you know as though it's shameful to have to have an identity uh that's these were these were the adverts you were seeing by the so-called civil society movement that wants to change and these are the the unrealistic and undesirable ones as far as I'm I'm concerned I I I have uh, Friends from all different uh, uh, sects or ethnicities or whatever, and I recognize who they are, and they and we we have no there's no, you want to reach a, a situation where you you know who the other is and you respect who the other is and you allow them to be themselves and there's no problem in that.
2: I agree, but this is not. I I fully agree with you. I just I think where we may disagree is identity is not static and is not based on the you know the religious groups of your parents i think this is the big problem and in lebanon the of course you can try to move along but the uh, i think the the we have to move beyond that sectarian group. i mean we, we've gone away from sort of the
1: diaspora yeah, yes. I wanted but to actually, but, yeah, but it yeah. is it is something that the diaspora are very exercised well, about this is
0: what oh. i want, but can i ask you both does the diaspora have a role in terms of political reform remove the remittances remove the lifeline that they've been for Lebanon just in terms of how to cope with all that's happening and find a find a mechanism that suits everyone and not what we've had the last few decades something else does the diaspora have that role in at least influencing the way Lebanon evolves beyond these protests so I, I time
2: will tell I think there are some interesting uh, experiences. Mm. Uh, Why do I say time will tell? Uh, It's clear the diaspora is going to play an essential role in sustaining and helping uh, Lebanon and, the Le- and their families back home during the current crisis. Mm. Again, this is not something new. And even if you go back to the archives during World War I and the famine of yes. World War I, yes. the Lebanese uh, in the U.S. played a huge role sending remittances back. And I'll just make a plug. There's a, uh, amazing research work that was done by uh, the Khayrallah Center uh, at UNC on that. Um, but I think what's going to be interesting, so we know the money's going to go. Will this money continue to be funneled like it is today, mostly Mm -hmm. through uh, sectarian-based political affiliation? So it's still helping, but even with the good intentions, it just reinforces the tentacles. Or will we somehow see, in parallel, a development of, again, aid that is less funneled through the existing mechanism? For me, this is what we need to watch. Mm. Uh, Will we start seeing, you know, I'm going to help university students in Lebanon finish their education and I'm not going to care whether they are from my region, whether they're from my confession or whether they're going to my uh, alma mater. Mm -hmm. That will be a first test.
0: Mm.
2: A second idea I think that's going to be very interesting to see is we know that in Lebanon, there are a lot of new political ideas emerging. We know that there are new political movements that will come out, new political leaderships that will come out from these movements. Mm. Will we see the diaspora or part of the diaspora, because we can't talk about the diaspora as a unitary uh, body. Will we start seeing part of the diaspora financially supporting these new political movements? Or maybe will we see new political entrepreneurs emerge from the diaspora to go back to Lebanon and run in the elections? That's interesting. I think yeah. the answer is yes. Yeah. But time will tell. But I think the the answer is yes. I'm sure as we're speaking right now, there are some ambitious Lebanese, I hope some Lebanese women at this stage, sitting in Dubai, sitting in New York, sitting in Paris. I'm going to go and be the next prime minister of Lebanon. And these are my ideas. And I'm going to have a new proposition. I'm going to test my proposition in the market of ideas inside Lebanon. I surely
1: hope so. How do, do we differ? How does the Lebanese diaspora differ from the Arab? from the other Arab diasporas, you yani Syrian, Iraqi, Algerian, Moroccan, Tunisian, who's, who have huge diasporas too in, in Europe and that you are involved with?
2: Look, it's hard because even these diasporas are incredibly dynamic. Um, you know, and again, it's um, Arab diasporas, to the difference of the Lebanese diaspora, uh, the other Arab diasporas have traditionally either been Opposition diasporas. If you think about the, you know, Iraqi diaspora pre two thousand and three, sort of political refugees of one, you know, the sort of on the losing end of a bargain. So their politicization was in some ways frozen in time, uh, and that that's a big difference. I think in Lebanon it was sort of always a, a much more divergent. But even saying that, I'm, I'm generalizing a bit. Um, and to the. Uh, Politics back home for these other Arab diasporas were always a lot more closed than what they were for the Lebanese uh, than they are for the Lebanese diaspora where there is space for political entrepreneurship mm. uh, so for instance you don 't see that many examples historically of the other Arab diasporas funding elections uh, or funding political parties because frankly, there were no elections in the home country. But on other aspects, they're very similar. I mean, if you look at the Tunisian diaspora, uh, the professional networks that exist there between Tunisians, particularly in France and in Tunisia, are very similar to some of the networks that exist between the Lebanese professionals and, and, the, and the Lebanese. But I say that, while at the same time, we have to recognize that the uh, diaspora field of studies is evolving greatly because in all the re- you know in the entire Arab region, We're seeing new diasporas emerging uh, that are playing a different role. I mean, if you think about the Libyan diaspora, it's no longer your grandfather's Libyan diaspora. Uh, If you look at the diaspora in Europe, I used to, you know, the big intellectual life of the Arab diaspora was in London. Today, the new young diaspora's intellectual epicenter is actually in Berlin.
1: Berlin, exactly.
2: Um, It's, it's, yeah. it's also changing, so it's very hard to, you know, because we're not comparing apples yeah. uh, to apples, so it's probably not a very satisfying answer, uh, but to just say the one thing is clear across the board, and this is very clear, for instance, what's happening in Algeria and Sudan right now, is that the uh, physical boundaries that used to separate the home countries from the diaspora uh, have basically disappeared across the region. And when you talk, I think, Nadim, you use this expression of people being, you know, in their sort of where they are in their mind. And today you can find Algerians in France, Syrians in Germany, Egyptians in Germany. Their mind is back home and they are in contact daily on WhatsApp with their home countries. And in that way, they have become very, very similar to what we see with the
0: Lebanese diaspora. Yeah. It's definitely an engaged population. They're very excited, and I think everyone is still hoping that this time things will emerge for the better, and I really look forward to hearing your thoughts. They should stop hoping, and they should be helping make these changes happen. I want to
1: give a final word for the older diaspora, the the beyond, that go beyond. I've been in places like Colombia where you have huge family gatherings who start crying when they speak about Lebanon and they don't even speak arabic and they, the the we shouldn't assume that the connection is not is not is not there it's very emotional for them and very strong
0: nadim Houdi, nadim shadi thank you again and i look forward to hearing from you down the road appreciate <laughs> thank it. you thank you thanks for listening and a friendly reminder to help support this podcast by contributing through Patreon or PayPal. All links are in the details box below. Until next time, I'm Rani Shatah, and this is the Beirut Banyan.